1864, the year before the Civil War ended, it's estimated that 30% of Southern families owned at least one slave. That's more than 300,000 families. When the war ended a year later, 4 million slaves were freed from the 15 Confederate states. The amount of descendants of slaves and slave owners alive today, more than 150 years later, is incalculable. And yet, slavery as a topic is so rarely discussed openly. Well, we're going to change that today. Welcome to Southern Elegies, a weekly podcast devoted to exploring the truth, lies, and misconceptions about the South. I'm your host, Lydia Caffrey-Wilbanks. Let's dig in. I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Ray McNeil, a very successful Atlanta businessman and one of the smartest people I know, who also has an exceptionally high level of emotional intelligence. Ray is a slave descendant and has agreed to have a recorded conversation with me, a descendant of slave owners, about why both sides should be talking about slavery. Welcome, Ray, to Southern Elegies. So you have the uh, premier spot of being both our first guest and our guinea pig. (laughs) Well, thank you, Lydia. (laughs) This is a pleasure. I want to jump in uh, because I think today's discussion is uh, so much about why I created this podcast. And I want to thank you for being willing to, uh, to show up and share your thoughts and feelings and opinions about a really important topic. And that is you as a descendant of a slave and uh-huh. your thoughts about, about living in the world today in the South which you do, you, you live in Georgia, you were um, raised a Southerner, but why do you think white people so feel so weird about talking about slavery? Fear, fear, fear Olivia, fear. Fear of the unknown. If you go into space right now, you will have dark matter. NASA is scared of dark matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's NASA is scared of dark matter right now. So if you don't know about stuff, you have a fear of it. We don't know about three-thirds of the ocean right now, so we have a fear. But we are going to space. We got no fear of space because John Glenn and the boys went up there and they, they conquered the problems that you ain't got to suffer with no oxygen. You don't have to freeze because we've come up with technology. The white people and the black people in this country right here have a big problem because the people who are in control, who are white people, have a fear. They fear us because they don't know us. Mm-hmm. We do not talk to each other. I have a friend right now that I go around the place with and we talk and people see us talking all the time. And they do ask us, why do why, why is it that we talking? And I said, you mean a white person and a black person? White person and a black person. And we actually have fun together. We laugh, we joke, we go, we do stuff. But the average white person has never walked up to a black person and said, how you doing? And Mm -hmm. Mm men, black people are subsidiaries of the white world. So we are used to walking up to white people, Asian Mm -hmm. people, anybody and say, hey, how you doing? When you do this to a white person because of the news media, am I going too far here? No, no, keep going. Oh, okay. And it's a fear because we, what do you see on the news every morning? Some black guy 
some guy who went into a store and robbed some people. Well, there's a whole lot of scenarios behind it. They didn't have no education. They come from a world where everybody told them the white people were their enemies. But then when you look at who they shoot, they mostly shoot ourselves. We have a very low valuation of ourselves because we were told that mm-hmm. we were about nothing years ago. Yeah, I, I, I agree our, with that. Our education, we haven't got that far yet. Yeah, there's a bunch of us that have made it to the educational level. We find out violence is not the answer. But most white people don't know that. So when I walk into a store and I'm a tall, six foot three guy, I'm black as hell. At nighttime, you can't even see me. <laughs> I know what they see when they see me. They don't they don't see me. They see this, this guy. Right. This guy. tall black man. Mm-hmm. This tall black man who might do something violent. Mm-hmm. Okay, most of the time I wear a suit and t- most of the time I kind of dress business casual. That's mm-hmm. been my, I've been in the finance world all my life. The last couple of years, the only time I've never wore a suit and tie. But this last couple of years, I kind of dress casual. When I don't dress casual and I go out there, they see that black guy. They don't yeah. know I got two master's degrees in business. They don't know I own a commercial financing company and a commercial a government contracting company and a jet aircraft. They just see this big old tall black guy and it scares the hell out of them. I think Ray is absolutely correct about how the average Southern white person perceives black men, especially. It's called negrophobia, which is defined by an embedded and extreme fear of black people. It's in the dictionary. And I know a lot about it because I was raised on it. I was taught that black men were dangerous. I also think this has a lot to do with extreme levels of mass incarceration, a topic for another day and another podcast. And there is the depiction of the black man as brute, as seen in The Birth of a Nation, which Anna DeBray talks extensively about in her brilliant documentary on the 13th Amendment. We know white people have been programmed to fear the black man for decades. But what strikes me the most about Ray's words is when he talks about what it's like to be a very tall, very black man, and whether he's stepping into a meeting or stepping into a store, he always sees fear on the face of the white people around him. And I wonder what that's like for a very tall, very black man. Let's go back to Ray. What do you think that that black people would want to hear white person about the category of slavery? I mean, we don't, as white people, we don't talk about having come from slave owners. You know, it's a a rare conversation. Do you think that it's because white people are just afraid of it as a a topic? Or do you think that that black people want to talk about it? Black people want to talk about it, but in the white world... It's the it's the it's the it's the inside thought of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's guilt, and what's the worst thing you can ask somebody to do is admit guilt. Mm-hmm. If you don't admit guilt, you're going to run from it. So yes, that was slavery. There was an old penitent system that's probably still going on right now with the prison institution. Mm-hmm. It's guilt. It's guilt because we know that we didn't get here because we came over here voluntarily like the Irish did, like the Jewish boys did, we came over here because somebody stole us. Mm-hmm. And that history is always going to be there. So what the white people don't want to talk about is the fact that, yes, you stole Ray from a country 
to come over here to set up a business that ended up being the best known business known to the world. So we know we stole you. Now you telling us we know you stole us. We don't want to talk about it no more. I got away with it. I created this world. Let's go forward. Well, the black people can't say let's go forward because we want to say, yeah, you stole me. Let's talk about why you stole me. And now let's talk about how we have developed into what we are right now that you don't want us to go any further because you got this guilt complex and you need to keep us away from whatever you thinking happened back then so that you don't have to respond to it anymore. So let's not talk about it. Mm-hmm. It is never going to end until we talk about it. And they don't want to talk about it. White people don't want to talk about it. Do you do you think the average black person, uh, Southern black person um, who's a slave descendant, do you think they want to talk about it? They want to talk about it, but I'm going to tell you something, Lydia. They want to, we want to talk about it, but we want to talk about it in an honest atmosphere where we can say, you know what, you stole us, you did mm-hmm. this, you got to admit to it, and let's go forward. Time out. It's, it's really time out for all this stuff about I didn't do it. I don't want to talk about black history. I don't want to have my children doing it. I don't want my children to feel guilty about it. Yeah, they should feel guilty because you did it. Your family did it. And it's, But it, it happens. We cannot change history. It's right. there. But if we sit down and talk about it and get it out of the way, I think this country will go fast. This country cannot move because this country cannot let the past go. We, we just don't let it go. You see, no. them, you see them rebel flags? It's like we're stuck. We're stuck. And unless mm-hmm. we get a venue so we can sit down and talk about it, it ain't going to ever go nowhere. We are going to be the most racist country in the world. Even the German people under Hitler killed all them people. Now they're talking about it. Mm-hmm. At least they talk about it. We don't even want to talk about it. Why? It's guilt. What would you say to me as the, as the you know descendant of a slave owner? also a white person, obviously, about how how you could guide me in doing better. Lydia, as a white woman in America, the way I can tell you to guide this thing is do what you're doing. You talk about it. You get rid of it. Once you talk about it and you find out, yeah, somebody in the background did something crazy. But here we are now. We're in the 22nd year of the of the millennia of 20. We're supposed to be past this. And mm-hmm. it's only because of people like you who want to talk about it and get it out there and get rid of it. We're going to go full. Do you, do you think that race relations are better or worse after George Floyd's death? I think it's, it's oh, that's a good one, Eddie. Um, I think because of George Floyd's death and the fact it was filmed and we saw it on the new technology, it made races a lot more acute of what's going on out there. Most white people never heard or saw what we saw until mm-hmm. George Floyd. We always thought there was a bunch of black people who was mad because the cop was doing their job and he tried to get away from them, so they shot him. George Floyd's death showed everybody that there is some bad stuff going on here only because of the media. Other than the media, we would have never seen that. And that's what caused the worldwide uproar. Now we understand that there's some stuff going on out there. But if you look at the courts and you find out if these guys are still being punished for what they're doing, no, nothing has changed. Absolutely. Everything is still the same. 
The only thing that's changed is that a lot of us have learned that if you want to get into this deal and, and control your destiny in the capitalist system, you got to make money to control it. And that's what's happening. Do you think that there are more black people, people of color, making money at their own businesses that gives them a greater sense of control as a result? Black women, yeah. Most black guys got a record. And the laws are set up that if you have any kind of record, you can't do a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I run a government contracting company. If one first thing they ask, do you have a felony? Blah, blah, blah. Most black guys have some kind of record and they use that against them. Mm-hmm. So it's women. So yeah, the women are kind of moving forward. I've talked to a lot of women right now that's trying to do um, farming because of the farm bill. And I talked to them. I said, and I said, we're going back to the nature part of about it. But the real money is in business, government business, technical business, administration business. And we're still not at that level yet. We can walk in there and control it. And that actually goes for black and white women. Right now, black and white women and Asian women and Indian women, they're getting in there in the techno businesses. But for the for the other people, the black guy, guys, ain't got a chance for it right now, to be honest with you. What do you say to people, white people, who say, um, as my mother used to say, we just need to get, they just need to get over it and move on? No, you can't do that. You you can't get over it. You got to talk about it. You got to walk it out. It's just like going to court. You got to walk okay. this thing out. Somebody has to say, yeah, this happens. You can't just say get over it because that don't work. It never will work. You have to say it happened. Let's talk about it. Let's have continuing dialogues on it. Let's understand that this country was based on multiplicity of different races doing different things to accomplish what we are right now. We are at a good place right now. We are the most powerful country in the known universe. We're better than the Romans. But even if the Romans had, they had a big problem with, with, the, with the other people coming in trying to take over all the time. We don't have that problem. What we have is intra-problems. We got to co- overcome this because the white people in the north and the white people in the south don't like each other, but neither one of them are saying that it's okay for these black people we brought over here to create this mo- this business that we got right now as a capitalist country that helped us create this thing. It wasn't the Mexicans. It wasn't nobody else. It was the black people that brought them in under this cotton deal and all this other stuff. We helped them create this country. That's what they want to hear. We are this country. People, white people keep thinking we are not part of this growth of this monster, this, 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 this thing called capitalism, called America. They want us to think, they want people to think that we weren't part of this. Black people just want you to say, we we're part of this. Cotton was king at one time. Cotton created this country. Soybeans created this country of a cheap labor. Cheap, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheap labor. We created this country. We yeah, you were the economic engine of the South, no Absolutely. question. Absolutely. And we still are the economic engine of stuff. But nobody's saying that yet. You guys came in here after we, you guys came out there after we stole you and made you slaves, but you produced all this stuff for us. And you did good. Because without you, we would not be what we were as we are right now. But they don't want to say that. 
Once somebody he, starts saying that you are part of the development of the most mechanized country known to man, it's going to be like this. As long as we consider outsiders, we're not. I'm American. I'm a hundred. What about? American. Do you think it's because the? Do you think it's because they're afraid of reparations? No, no, that is even in the black community, we know there's not going to be any reparations unless it's the Indian, uh, the Native Americans. They need to get reparated. Because they were here before all of us. I mean, they talk about immigration. The Native American people were here before everybody. And look how we treat them. We got them on places what we call nations. We give them people nothing, no respect, no nothing. Do you feel um, any less racism since George Floyd died in terms of just you walking in a store or you walking down the street? No, no, Lydia, I hate to tell you, no. It's about the same before George Floyd. Mm. I don't think it happened with George Floyd. It became a media event and nothing, yeah. has, nothing has changed. It's not going to change for a while. It hadn't I, changed your world at all. It ain't changed nothing in my world. And I'm, I do business and I still know that when I walk through a door, they go look at me as the color of my skin, but not what I can bring to the table. I know that, but I'm at the point now, what's most people who look like me at the point right now, we say, we know you're going to look at us different, but let me tell you, let me show you what I'm bringing to the table. And so now we have to show our worth, our value. That's what's happening right now. The days of just walking through the door and we know that those guys who control everything is going to not look at us as equals, is gone. Now we walk through the door and say, listen, this is what I'm bringing to the table. As I tell all my clients, I say, when I walk through the door, I act like I own that place because I'm bringing something of value. That's what we are right now. That's what we have to get to. We so that's a better place, right? It's a better place. We can't keep talking about he don't like me because he's a white guy with white hair, and I know he's not going to like me. We know that. That's the easy part. But when I walk through that door, I walk to see that white guy, and that white guy is talking about saying, Ray, I need to do something. And I bring value, or I bring an answer to him. That's a different animal. And if he don't take me, and I know I got the best deal, I can always revert back to it because it's a racist deal. Or I can always say, my deal just wasn't the kind of deal they were looking for. Mm-hmm. That's what we are now. I don't have time to keep saying everything is racist. They put men on the moon. So do you think there's a little more opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come from the women's side. But yeah, that's a little bit more opportunity. Mm-hmm. They're beginning to see us as, as part of the part of the project of this mm-hmm. dem- demographic, this democratic process. They're seeing us now as part of this democratic process that involves the sustainability of a nation. They see us now. Mm-hmm. And you see us more on TV. You see more multiracial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see us out there now because now they understand that you know what we brought something to the table, and here we are, and we're not going anywhere. So you would say that race relations have slightly improved or are starting to change a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. We can see it changing a little bit, mm-hmm. but but the only way it's going to change a lot, to be honest with you, is for us for us on my side of the table, not on your side, is to get more educated, to understand more of what business is all about, other than this racist thing. It's more life than racism. You go to European countries, yes, they are racist over there. You go to black countries over there in Africa, there's there's racism over there. You go down to South America, it's racism over there. 
So somewhere along the line, the line is going to change. And I can see the line changing because it's more than just racism. It's called acceptability. I got to accept you because you here. You ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make my life. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to invest in the stock market. I'm going to do all this right now as we speak. So you either accept it or get away from it or keep denying it. These people out here denying this stuff, it's kind of unique to me. I can't control them because they're living in a different environment mentally. That makes total sense to me. Yeah, we we here now. I mean, I can't walk into the highest restaurants or the biggest places over there, and I, I can't say that I'm part of the membership, but I can walk in there now and I can say, you know, I would like to be part of this membership. Mm-hmm. In the old days, Augusta, I couldn't even walk on, the, I, unless I was a caddy, I couldn't even walk on Augusta. Now I can walk on Augusta. Okay, well, on that positive note, I'm going to thank you, my friend, for such a wonderfully honest and even raw conversation about oh, things that, raw, my little sister. <laughs> the things things we need to talk more about. And I'm so grateful to you for being so honest with me and and being willing to say things that you know a lot of people don't necessarily want to say. So. Yeah, I wish white people would talk to me the way I just talked to you. Well, that, Ray, is, I think, the best note we could possibly end on. And that is something that I will repeat to pretty much anybody who will listen. Good. So thank you, my friend. You can count on me, little sister. I got you. Thank you. I know you do. You always have. And I know you always will. I think Ray makes a very valuable point that what so often stands in the way of better race relations is conversation. And not just conversation for the sake of conversation between white and black people, but conversation specifically around slavery. For those of you who, like me, are descendants of slave owners, I hope you'll find inspiration to bring up the subject of slavery to your black friends and ask if it's something they'd like to discuss. Not all will, but some might, and that would be progress. For those who have no connection to slavery, I think just knowing that it's a thing is important. And for my Black listeners, I hope you will also find time for conversation with your white friends about what separates us. For myself, it's been hard to bring it up, but every time I have, I have always been greeted with openness to have that conversation. And it has always been beneficial. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll come back next week. Thank you.